0: Katie Knight and welcome back to Can You Put Me On Guest List. This week my guest is Julius Uwester who is a South African born photographer best known for his work in the entertainment and nightlife scene here in Ibiza. It was at the South African School of Motion Picture Medium and Live Performance that he discovered how to bring his passions for art and technology together in innovative and creative ways. He excelled as a production student and took great care in developing his leadership and management abilities. In his final years of university, he was headhunted by Africa's top live TV and sports production company to assist in their preparation of the FIFA World Cup South Africa 2010. The opening ceremony at Orlando Stadium reaching a mammoth 3 billion live viewers from across the globe. In 2013, Julius left for Ibiza in search of balance and spirituality. A series of fortunate events landed him access to some of the world's biggest and most awarded nightclubs for one of Europe's largest nightlife websites.
1: A photographer being present is super important because you have to capture those moments. You have to be aware of them to capture them.
0: In this episode, we chat about Julius's pretty eventful journey, the importance of being present as a photographer, Buddhism, photography and Ibiza, tips for other photographers, and a lot, lot more. Julius, hello!
1: Hey Katie, how's it going?
0: I'm very well, how are you?
1: I'm good, thank you.
0: I have to say I'm very excited about this chat today. M-
1: me too, me too. Oh.
0: I'm very interested in everything you have to say, so uh, let's let's go for it. So maybe we should just start off um, telling us a little bit about where you're from and, okay. um, and maybe your first steps into what you do now.
1: Okay, so my name is Julius Uester. My full name is Philip Arthur Julius Uester. I'm named after my grandfather.
0: Oh, that's nice. Those are all
1: kings names. So (laughs) if I do come across a little royal, that's probably why. I'm originally from Johannesburg, uh, left there 2010. And since then, I've had about 24 different uh, physical addresses in five countries around the world. So I've been doing a lot of traveling, um, mostly photography. because it's, it's just, the photography now is by design because it's small and it's efficient. It's just me and my backpack. <laughs> Whereas when you do film, it's a long-term commitment. It's a team, it's two years. It's, it's a lot more uh, difficult to, to manage. Yeah. So um, essentially I promote myself as a photographer because it's just easy for me and where I'm at in my, my life right now. But I mean, I can do a lot more than just photography.
0: So did you grow up wanting to be a photographer?
1: Um, no, not not essentially. It, it just kind of like um, happened. You you know, I got to a point after I'd done many big projects for uh, international broadcasters or for government um, projects in South Africa. Um, and I just got to a point where I wanted to do things that I was interested in. Um, and the, the camera just lent itself perfectly to that. Uh, I think um, it's probably in, uh, important to mention that before all this happened, um, I was introduced to Buddhism in a really interesting way, which is essentially a study of um, your reality, um, and it's it's filled with practices of being aware and being present. Um, and yeah, when I came to Ibiza, I just had packed my camera and I was like, okay, I can, I think I can do this. So,
0: so how does Buddhism and photography? come together in your career or in your life
1: well if you think about what an event photographer does at an event is they have to interact with almost everybody in every aspect of the event and while you do that you have to capture the essence too so you can't allow yourself to be distracted you kind of have to tune into the energy um, of the party and you have to be present so I've developed like some techniques that I do before um, I go to an event um, just to help me synchronize with the team and the event that happens because there's a flow that, that, that kicks in. And if you open yourself to it, it, it leads to all these amazing photos or things that you've never seen. So for a photographer, being present is super important because you have to capture those moments. You have to be aware of them to capture them.
0: That's a very, very interesting point, and something <laughs> I've actually never thought about, to be honest. How did you get into um, to Buddhism? Like, how how did that happen for you?
1: It was a it was a, a fortunate accident.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: So uh, before leaving Johannesburg after the World Cup, because I was part of the production team um, of the like the, the ZDF broadcaster. So ZDF is the biggest broadcaster in Germany or in Europe. They're so from Germany and I was part of their production team for the duration of the 2010 World Cup. Um, And I mean, they just went all out. Shipping containers, the way these guys operate is just so inspirational because they operated like they would, like one would navigate like a military fleet. Wow. They've got studios that they pack in containers months or sometimes years in advance. So the the studios we were using got packed up in a container and got sent to the next Olympics in 2014. And that's only when it was going. So they had like 40 of these containers shipped all over.
0: That's insane. That is.
1: I mean, for me, um, just finishing university and, and having these kind of projects as my, my introduction to the uh, um, media or entertainment industry was just such a treat. Yeah, I you can know, imagine. You get a really thorough understanding of what it means to be best in the world, what it means to be professional. Um, how to navigate the politics, how to fix problems. <laughs> it, it's a really, really um, amazing learning opportunity, but it's not for the faint-hearted. You know, yeah. it, it, it can be sink or swim.
0: So uh, wh- where did that lead you to to Buddhism?
1: Okay, so I finished up uh, World Cup. I did a project for government in KwaZulu-Natal, which is on the eastern board of South Africa. It's near the Indian Ocean, nice and warm. Um, And when I got there, I had uh, like little prosthetics inside my shoes because I had developed a problem where there was always a a, a spasm. It's called plantar fasciitis. So um, as I'm walking down the street in this new place that I'm staying in, Natal, I see a neighbor walking down the street with her dogs and she invites me to come do yoga at her class. Uh, later the afternoon, um, which I did. <laughs> and I loved it. And um, with the yoga and the prosthetics, I had to go for chiropractic adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the middle of this project that I was doing for government, which we can talk about later, um, I went for an adjustment and I was just under too much uh, pressure the, the chiropractor was very kind she sat me down she said um mr uester like i know we've booked this session for you but i can see you're just too tense so instead uh we're going to talk a bit i'm going to give some suggestions and ideas and let's see kind of like what happens and she's the one that put me on the brc which is the buddhist retreat center so what the B- brc essentially is um it's in the Valley of a, of a Thousand Hills. It's kind of like the villages where Nelson Mandela is from. It's, like, it's still very um, like African and primitive and natural and uh-huh. beautiful. Um, and the founder, Louis van Luen is from the um, Netherlands, but he started the BRC. Um, and what they have is every weekend, they have a different uh, mindfulness-oriented workshop with specialists in specific fields. And you can just go there every weekend, put your cell phone away, they have these beautiful, like little condos that you can um, rent out, or you can just stay in the normal lodge. And what, that's what I did. I just chilled in the lodge, and in the lodge they have a like a silence pact. Like you're not allowed to talk there. So you walk in, you kick your shoes off, and you're in the lodge, and you just read or meditate or what have you. Um, so yeah that that that's kind of like my introduction to Buddhism because she's like your body's so tense you are doing the yoga you're, we're doing the chiropractic you're eating healthy but there's still something that's not allowing you to relax so maybe go to this place maybe they can give you guidance or help you or you know address whatever it, it is um, so I went I humored her I was like okay like I'll get in my car and go for a weekend and see what happens and um, the first retreat I did was called uh, Photography as Meditation. And as luck luck would have it, the day before leaving for the retreat, um, Canon South Africa had delivered my new 5D um, Mark II and the 24-105 lens, which I'm still shooting with today.
0: And how long ago was this? Sorry, what year was this?
1: This is about 2012, 2013. Uh. So that that the camera that I've got now, my first time taking pictures with it was at the BRC just to um, help me express myself, um, cultivate more awareness. Because what they also mentioned, I mean, this place is just packed with priceless, um, like philosophies and and information and tidbits. So the most important thing for me uh, that I learned there was the Let's talk about two things. The first thing is the concept of pricelessness. And then let's talk about um, ailments of time. So the concept of pricelessness is when the Buddha sat down with his disciples all those many years ago, he pretty much explained to them, look, um, you guys are not allowed to ask money for this. okay? because you can't put a a price on what I'm about to teach you. And it's all about giving yourself a, a permission to experience life and to figure things out for yourself. That, that is essentially what it, the, 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 the teachings of Buddhism or at least what, what I took from it. Yeah. Is it gave me the permission to figure things out for myself because I'm a conservative Afrikaans speaking boy from Johannesburg. I grew up in a conventional Christian home and you know, whenever <laughs> they see Buddha statues, they pick it up and throw it and uh. like it's from the devil. <gasps> so I actually got like a lot of flak back then from my parents. Um, because they didn't want to be known as, you know, the yeah, family that has a kid that studies Buddhism. And Are anyways, they cool I was, with it now? Yeah, now they're cool. I mean, but the, so many things have happened since then. Yeah. Um, and Ibiza has a a big part to do with that. Because Ibiza also gave me permission to just, like, do what I wanted to do, you know. Yeah. And so much opportunity and so many like-minded people. Um, it's just ingredients for such like different recipes, but they're all good. So the second one has to do with ailments of time. And what they explained is that when you have anxiety, it is stress of the future. And when you have depression, it is stress from the past. So um, the trick is to always be in the state of of present. present. So if you are present and aware and, you know, conscious you reduce anxiety and depression quite quite a lot so this is just like interesting little things that they teach you about the human condition that you don't hear about every day
0: yeah uh, it totally makes sense but something that I don't think I would again never have thought of but yeah that totally makes sense what you're saying Mm. tell me how you got to Ibiza what what brought you here
1: revenge <laughs> wow, it's gonna go
0: deep, guys. <laughs> um,
1: well, actually, no. It's not just revenge. It's 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 a beautiful story. Um, the short version is I had a, a very terrible breakup mm-hmm. um, before Ibiza, um, and while me and my significant other were together at the time, we had made plans to come to Ibiza because at that stage I just finished up a three-year government project that I was investing 18 hours a day, six days a week for two and a half years. Is this
0: the project you were going to talk about before at the beginning?
1: The, the KwaZulu-Natal? Yeah, the...
0: the okay, yeah. this is the same project. Okay.
1: Yeah, so the, the timeline is World Cup. Okay. Then KwaZulu-Natal for three years, and now it's been so for six or seven years. Okay. So the, those are most of the projects. Okay. Um, and then when we broke up, I was like, okay, well, I'll show you you, you know <laughs> I'm still gonna go <laughs> yeah, like, oh, I don't need you to, to go to Ibiza and enjoy and have fun um, so that was that was part of it but um, no uh, the desire to come to Ibiza started way way before then um, when I was about 12 13 um, for my birthday I got uh, my own internet connection in my bedroom which meant i got access to like mtv and mp3 (laughs) downloads and winamp and IRC channels and i mean i've just been online since then um and with that kind of came this technological music you know this mixture of 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 samples and beats and it's just like this is what music is going to be sounding like the, the the early years of electronic music and something that always came with the music was this six-letter 6, six letter word, is it Ibiza? I, B, I, Z, <laughs> this five-letter word, it's Ibiza. Um, and I, I just remember sitting in my bedroom. Um, I, I did DJ back then. I was a mobile DJ with, with CDs. This was before CDJs. I had to listen to all my music and make sure that I knew which song lined up with which song on what album. And it was so much fun I and mean, just a beautiful way to express myself back then. But yeah, so I remember sitting down with a friend and him saying like, can you imagine being one of these DJs? You know, you're in, a, in, um, in this like container on top of a dance floor and there's 30,000 people below you and they're just going crazy and raw and it's all you it's all because you are playing this song and you did it and I was like wow (laughs) that sounds awesome um, and many years later, uh, when I moved to Cape Town before Ibiza, after KZN, I went to Soul Candy, studied music production for a bit, and reconnected with my love for electronic music. Okay. I actually um, stumbled upon my uh, DJ 101 certificate from Soul Candy, oh. so I'm, I'm certified, but I'm not practicing. Um, <laughs> and that's Because I believe you should only ride one saddle at a time. You mm-hmm. know, in Ibiza, it's important to specialize, if you are a photographer and a DJ, and a this, and a that, so true. you don't get taken seriously. Yeah. So for that reason, I promote myself as the photographer.
0: So uh, w- obviously w- when you got here to Ibiza, what was your, your first, who was your first client here? How did you find work here in Ibiza?
1: Okay. So this is a really cool story. Okay. Um, after KZN, moved to Cape Town, studying at Soul Candy, um and the my first dividend check is is come in like this is after three years of intense labor complete isolation no social life just work 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 family well it's a family business so family 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 um was very productive and i'm very thankful that i could pull it off but for somebody that's 25 you know that's not the ideal environment yeah so the dividend check came in i was studying at soul candy and my lecturer uh lecturers actually Um, at that stage was Ryan Murgatroyd and Costa. (laughs) okay so the two of them are more popularly known as Crazy White Boy um, which is a very popular electronic Uh music group in South Africa and Ryan and now they're separated but Ryan is I think probably the next biggest thing to come out of South Africa Like he's released a lot of really cool songs that the world's been waiting for like for the last five years and he's obviously like he's most likely the leading electronic producer in South Africa because he's been doing it for so long—twenty Wow. 20 years, maybe twenty-five years. When you walk through, when you walk through the Soul Candy studios, you saw all the all the albums that he produced, and you see the vinyls with gold and like different sales, and it's from all international labels and what have Amazing. you. Anyways, so <laughs> I'm on my way to Soul Candy. I have my dividends check, and I'm sitting down with Ryan and the guys, and they're like, uh, "Jules, we're gonna go to IMS in Ibiza." um do you want to come and i was like you know what i i think i will <laughs> but again i was in in a space where i was reconnecting with my love for electronic music which mm-hmm. i've had for many many years um i um was also I, I just came out of um like medical rehabilitation for digestive digestive issues that i picked up at the end of my project in kisotho natal so yeah, it, it was a really interesting time for me to experiment and just give myself permission to do these sort of things, and it just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ryan was like, do you want to go to Ibiza? And my, like my whole essence was just like, fuck, yes, I want to go. <laughs> and I made it happen, you know. I was very stupid about it because it was my first time leaving the South African border. But well, not leaving the South African border. It was my first time traveling to Europe.
0: Oh, wow. Okay,
1: so me as a South African um, back then, My idea of Ibiza was Kevin and Perry go large. You know, (laughs) it's it's very small. You can walk around and then... What a film. still funny. I loved it. I love it. It's great. (laughs) I I do feel that um, it's time for like a... uh, Maybe not a a remake, but somebody should do something like that in modern day Ibiza. A hundred percent. Like a satire or a... Yeah. Like imagine if you could have... um, like an ali g kind of character and just rip on all the vip cultures and you know ali g on.
0: is my absolute favorite i sat and watched it about yeah. three nights ago and i was in absolute stitches yeah. it was really late at night as well and i was like i have to go to bed and i was like i can't i have to watch this yeah and, and, and
1: sasha baron cohen is just such an amazing so
0: amazing artist. so you were you thought it was going to be like kevin and perry but it wasn't
1: was not. no um, i remember just leaving uh, just before leaving i I uh, had a look at my driver's license that I needed to renew in South Africa, and I was like, "No, nah, I'll do that when I get back. I'll leave it here. I'll just walk on the island. Like, I'll, I'll get around. Don't worry, it's a small island." And I got here, and that was not the case. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd completely overpacked. I think I had like four, like twenty-kilogram bags, and I, I, I packed a, a Newmark uh, controller. Uh, um, <laughs> like, it's, it, 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 I, I was just like bring it you know and
0: how long was this going to be for two weeks oh my goodness <laughs> the idea
1: the idea was to do it for two weeks and then go visit some friends of mine in finland um, because i wanted to do like a, a trip around the world um yeah. but uh in my first week in ibiza i met a gentleman um and they made a really interesting proposal um, this is actually something that i was trying to um get ready before leaving cape town Um, And that's how I met Valentino uh, and and the Bridges for Music team. This is like many, many years ago. Uh,
0: Valentino's been on the podcast too. I know,
1: yeah. Um, It's really interesting. Uh, My story kind of started at the same time as the Bridges for Music story.
0: Oh, wow. Uh,
1: While I was studying at Soul Candy, we got the invitation to go see Luciano in Langa. And I think that was like the first workshop. And two months later, I found myself in Ibiza taking pictures, not amazing. expecting any of it. So I went to Langa too. Oh, yeah? Yes, I did. Yeah, that's yeah. lovely. They're doing amazing stuff there. The yeah. school's finally open. Yeah. They've just accepted their first admittance. I think now it's just short courses. And from next year, February, it's annual classes amazing. or something. Amazing.
0: He's done such a great job mm. over there.
1: And I've helped them as well. We raised 25,000 euros in space for the IMS Gala dinner by auctioning off two of my pictures. Oh Pepe. my
0: goodness, that's Pepe. incredible. Yeah. What Pepe. were the pictures of?
1: So we have to keep in mind that this was the 27, uh, like the year 27 space campaign. Yeah. They had to close down and everybody was super sad. And uh, we, I, I, I kept that in mind when I was sending photos to Valentino. And essentially, it's two pictures. Um, the one is of Carl Cox in uh, space doing his um, revolution. With a, it's a black and white photo, um, and I created like a panoramic photo, of a very gritty, grimy black and white photo, with space in front of it. Um, and the other one was a double exposure. It was just a black background. You had um, Pepe and Carl looking off in the distance and on this end you had a photo of the space terrace you know that they have for the opening parties and the closing parties so that's the one pepe loved there's a photo of the terrace and him and carl just kind of like looking over it
0: amazing Um,
1: so we uh, valentino printed out two for the gala dinner which carl and pepe signed and we auctioned it off but pepe loved the the one with um, him and carl and the the stage so much that he he said, look, it's charity. I'll give you guys another 10,000 if you'll print one for me too. And Valentina was, oh, and was like, yeah, I was like, yeah. So,
0: <laughs> and I
1: also, like for me, that planted the seeds because now,
0: I mean. That's huge. That yeah, is absolutely huge. Three
1: the three photos, which is a quarter of a million rand. So yeah. a rand is the South African currency. Yeah. Um, And I was like, wow, there's feasibility. If, if you do it the right way, there is a market for this sort of thing. And, and that's what I've been slowly developing on the back end over yeah. the last five, six years, usually in the off season. Yeah. So when I come to Ibiza, I take photos, and then in the winter I edit or when I develop other strategies, and what have you. But let's get back to my first week in Ibiza. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I met this gentleman, and pretty much what they told me is, look, we can't pay you, but we can get you inside all the clubs, we can give you accommodation, and we can give you a car. So in the end, you just have to pay for your own food. And back then I was still smoking, so I had to pay my own cigarettes. And I was like, awesome. Who is this
0: guy? (laughs) (laughs) You want a job? (laughs) Um,
1: And this eventually grew into my first four years in Ibiza. The organization that I was doing photos for turned out to be the biggest event portal in Europe. And they were based in Germany and they were setting up a region in Ibiza. Um, and I mean, at that stage I just finished, well not finished, but I had already worked with the German broadcasters. I had a really thorough understanding of like the German way of doing things. Yeah. Uh, I I thoroughly understand, understood how big their economy was and the the, the viewing public. And I was like, this is a really good opportunity. Um, Let's see where it goes. So my first season in Ibiza, which was supposed to be a two week holiday, um, ended up with me staying three months, which is the maximum on a Schengen visa, and me kind of like leaving the island completely heartbroken because I, I'd i found home, you know. I'd yeah. found a place that I belong, and I just, I had to leave. You know, there's no other, way, no two ways about it. So that was really hard going back. Um, the idea was to uh, just check into South Africa, apply for a new Schengen visa, and fly back, you know, Um, and it was a pretty expensive exercise to learn that that's not how it works. (laughs) (laughs) So for any of the South Africans listening, um, how it actually works is after your 90 day visa, you have to wait 180 days before you can re-enter. Really? Yeah.
0: Wow. So long time.
1: Yeah. I, I, I only like, if they could have mentioned that beforehand, it it would have helped a lot. That would have
0: been helpful. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I I couldn't come back immediately, but we started planning for the next season. Um, My first season I got here for the IMS, so I got to see the first half of the island, so IMS, opening parties, mid-season, and then the second year when I came back, it was a little bit later, so I got to see mid-season, closing parties, and, you know, just after that, I had a really, really good understanding of how the island worked, who the artists were, how the, like, what the clubs are, which is like nobody even knows about the stuff in South Africa, you know, as a South African coming here you're like just so shook, you're like, wow, this is amazing. Like why don't we know about this? Yeah. Um but yeah. It was also part of um a, uh a, a, an attempt from my side to have more balance in my life. So mm-hmm. like mentioned earlier, I did a big project for government for three years. Was just work and analytics and you know I wasn't having any fun and that's also where the idea behind coming to Ibiza kind of like was. yeah because I thought if I could go to Ibiza just for two weeks I could party so hard and just get it all of my system so that it balances out this three years of writing yeah. a desk and heavy responsibility and you know massive cash flow yeah um, so yeah then came the third season
0: (laughs) what season are you in now
1: now I'm in my seventh season
0: did something particularly happen in the third season
1: yes we managed to get a residency for me in Europe through the German company that I've been taking photos for amazing so as a South African that meant I could stay in Europe the whole year and take pictures which was awesome um so the first year was like, oh wow, it's exciting! I'm in Europe and it's so cool, but also uh, the desire to balance out work life wasn't as important anymore because things had mellowed out. Mm-hmm. You know, by by that stage, I think in my third year I might have done three or four hundred parties in Ibiza already.
0: Oh my goodness! <laughs> How many do you do a week now?
1: Now, um. A lot more relaxed. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That first four year period, I did about a thousand two hundred parties in Ibiza. Oh,
0: my goodness! That
1: I can prove like it's uploaded, it's edited. Normally, I don't go out. Like, if I go to a nightclub now, I'm super bored. Um, but if I have the camera, it's you love it. I love it because you have all access, you have a reason to, to interact with people. Um, it, it's just so much more fun for me. Like, yeah. if, if I go to, um, like a normal festival and I'm not part of the team I get bored and I start looking at ah
0: this would be a great photo this yeah would but, be
1: but it's, it's not just that it's like um I start looking at the production who's producing who provided the lights who's doing the sound uh who's the light, where's the stage manager and I can just kind of like break it all up and yeah not not, in, not engaged, not be present. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's a little bit sad that I can't enjoy festivals as much as I would like to. But it's awesome that I love them when I've got my camera. Yeah. You know? So
0: maybe this would be a good time to start talking a little bit about your strategy.
1: Ooh. Okay. I'll, I'll give you my strategy in a nutshell. And then we can just talk about strategy in general. How's that sound? Perfect. Okay. So my strategy is to be the... Will eventually, be like the David Guetta of photographers, where mm-hmm. I'm the abs- considered the absolute best in my field um, and have the recognition of my peers as well. So the best way to do that is to create more value for your clients than anybody else. Um, so I've delved into numerous business books uh, to understand the essence of what it means to add value because that's what business is, is problem-solution. Mm-hmm. I have a problem, you give it's, me money, yeah. and I solve it for you. You know, So it, it, it's, it's been beautiful, and that's also why my time in Germany was so important that first uh, winter because I couldn't speak with anybody. So it forced me to listen to these books um, and feed my mind, um, content and ideas and inspiration so that when I came back to Ibiza for the fourth season I could just knock it out of the park yeah and that's exactly what happened um the fourth season it was the last season of of space um personally I made a commitment to be there absolutely every night so I I think I might still have most of those photos wow with the intention being like maybe many years later to do a photo book called um space, the death of a super club, the last 100 days of space, you know.
0: That is an amazing idea. Yeah,
1: but it's not that simple because it's space is a registered trademark and you would need their permission, which, you know. You could probably get. Yeah, it's, it's definitely there, but you have to be the David Guetta of photographers. To be
0: able to do it, to get yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, that, that's been my strategy. Um, mm-hmm. It's just figuring out how to add more value. Um, and one of the aspects because of my artistic background that I've been developing is the um, limited edition fine art prints that people can purchase from the promoters and myself. Uh, and the promoters can generate additional income in the off season um, from what is referred to in like the self-help center as the wood shavings. So like, I mean, if you think about it, how much money goes into these events, you have the big, big names, you have the, the lights, the stages, and how much after market um, value do you get from that like you don't get to, to buy a dvd yeah. or you know you can't usually they don't broadcast the the, the podcast or the the, the 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 set afterwards but you know people want something usually yeah. it's a t-shirt or something like that but imagine you can give them a photo imagine you can give somebody a photo of um a stage uh, with a dj playing at a specific set and that's where they met, met their significant other yeah you know? or that's where she proposed, or that's where you and your friends really click. I mean, there's so many things that happen at these events. um, And I believe that if you formulate it correctly, people will want that. Yeah, You know, give them an aftermarket solution. Give them something that I can say, I was in Ibiza and it was awesome, and I want to come back. Yeah. But while I'm stuck in South Africa or Canada or wherever I am, let me at least have a photo of on my wall. Uh, yeah, of the destination of that memory. Yeah, uh, and, and that—that's the idea behind it. So, also, um, the where we are in in time right now, there's so much technology exploding. Yeah, where solutions that weren't here five years ago are here now. So this also has to do with, like I'm I'm using so much new technology to implement this idea. But do Uh,
0: people actually physically still buy photos or do they just ask to have them sent by email?
1: Okay, so I've done 1,200 events. I've got so many, so many, so many photos. I think maybe, let's say I've got 100 or 150,000 edited photos. Of those 150,000 edited photos, Um, I think I've seen maybe five or six of them printed really <laughs> everything else you see online well it's a, unless it, it gets incorporated in like a poster design or yeah you know it's in a magazine for an editorial i mean that happens quite a lot but i mean the actual photo just being printed it's
0: because that used to be a huge thing didn't it yeah. to, i mean at amnesia it still exists there's still the little photo david still has his little photo area mm-hmm. and you can go in and physically buy your photo but i always think to myself do people still do that now? Like if everyone has their phones and obviously everything goes online, do people still physically go and buy the pictures?
1: So this comes back to the difference between South Africa and what I'm going to refer to as the Europe's and the North America's. Mm -hmm. Um, Europe and America love their artists. They place a lot of value on them in society Um, and if you look at their inspiration cycle like art inspires life and life inspires art and there's just this beautiful circle and understanding uh, and appreciation for art which is just not the case in South Africa so what I'm getting at is yes I think there's an appreciation for this art form in in the Europe's or in 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 those territories Um, but because there's not really a platform for them to get it in, in such a way like it's, it's, it needs to be explored more to, yeah. to get a, a definitive answer. Yeah. But again, in the end, it's a, a piece of art created by an artist. Uh, there's so much emotional uh, value added to this. It can be considered an investment. So you buy it now at a cost price, and five years later, you can resell it, or 10 years later, it can resell. But it's kind of like an, you're investing like an IPO. By purchasing a, a limited edition print from me, it's like investing in me as an artist, mm-hmm. and ho well, anticipating that one day I will be super successful. Yeah, and, and I've you got one be of your able- pictures. Yeah, and you know, you've got one, or you can resell it, or or, or what have you. It's, this is
0: actually like one of these. Well, people can't see, but the, like these two pieces of art, um, they were fr- they're from also an artist that's just started out. But Atilio was like. I know this guy is going to blow up. I have to buy some. So that's, that's the same yeah. kind of concept as well.
1: Yeah, and, and there's definitely a, a market for these kind of things, even if it's not just the commercial market like you and me or, you know, uh, a lot of these photos, a lot of my photos, are being marketed towards um, hotels. Yeah. Um, because I do a lot of um, aesthetically pleasing work that focuses on the female form. I've approached a lot of plastic surgery um, agencies or or practices so that they can print and put that on display as well so there is a market for it you just have to find it you have to find out you know there's there's two ways of making a product there's the smart way where you say um i've got an audience um and they've got a need and i'm going to provide a solution you know Mm -hmm. that that's that's how you can do it same there's a need let's fulfill it and then there's another way where you just create something and then you try and, and find an audience after yeah so I, <laughs> I'm doing a bit of both. a bit of both. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's essentially, um, it got to a point where I had to figure out how to make the photography sustainable because I'm doing 1,200 events over four years, but I'm like getting paid for maybe 5% of these shoots.
0: Wow, really? You know, prob-
1: probably less. Um,
0: Do you think that's an Ibiza thing? Is it a nightlife thing? Or is it just a general thing that happens?
1: It's something that I kind of allow to happen, um and later realized that i didn't feel good about it because you have to remember my first two years in ibiza i was here looking for balance yeah i wasn't worried about money I yeah. was just trying trying to be young and have fun and learn um but after year three and four you're living and it, it becomes your primary source of income um so yeah after the the third or fourth year it became more important to uh Uh, generate more financial stability from the photography Mm -hmm. which meant that I had to change a lot of my strategies as well but you know it
0: has to be done
1: yeah you know for me in in the end uh, now it's getting to a point where there's balance yeah you know I can do the business aspect of of my photos and whatever but I can also go out and have fun and you know be more free and creative and and all those sort of things so the balance is only happening now
0: What is something that people do not know about photographers?
1: Oh, there are many things that you do not know about photographers. (laughs) Um, I'm going to start with the obvious thing, and that is that photographers are the only people at an event that interact with almost everybody. They have to go to the stage to take photos of the DJs, they have to go outside to take photos of the entrance and meet the people. They have to take photos of the fans, of course. If you're at a festival where there are performances, you have to go take photos of the show. And, I mean, you just get to see and, and interact with everybody. Um, whereas that's not the case with other people. I mean, the DJ is in the booth. The dancers are on the podiums. The security guards are at, at their specific stops. I mean... Yeah. There's maybe one or two people in hospitality that, that interact, but I think the photographer's the only one yeah. that, that deals with everyone. That, that's not just at the event. It's like off before you get the request from the office and then after you have to send for distribution. So because of the work that I've done, I'm, I've got a really clear picture or like I've got a, a full picture of how Ibiza and like the event industry kind of works.
0: That's interesting. I bet as well that everybody else is... A- uh, correct me if i'm wrong but i'm gonna guess that everybody else's energy that's in that club really could probably affect your work as well like mm-hmm. if you're somewhere where it's probably kind of a bit dark and there's a bit of a funny vibe going on then that can totally just throw you off or or affect the way that you take photos am i right
1: Yep, yeah, there are some parties and venues that i completely avoid because um it just doesn't resonate with my energy yeah. Um, but then again, there are other parties that are completely me and I just love going there.
0: Like which one, for example?
1: Which one do I love? Yeah. Um, For photos or just for entertainment? For photos. I really love Pasha as a brand. I think what they're doing is excellent. If you think where it started, um, with my interest in business, I, you, you just can't help but... Like yeah go wow it, yeah. it started off as a club but now it's a lifestyle brand you know it's a club and a hotel they've got the clothing labels they've got restaurants uh, they've got magazines it's a lifestyle brand now yeah and that's something that a lot of us should be striving towards i think yeah. that that that's the that's the end you know yeah. that, that that's the big picture well not essentially but i yeah
0: should we talk a little bit about your exhibitions
1: yeah we probably can is there okay so we let's talk about the one that is about to be released so it's not live yet but this is one that i've been working on pretty much from the first year okay so sorry
0: these are online exhibitions
1: yeah so this is something that i'm developing it's new i'm calling it online exhibitions there might be a more formal word for it but again it's just just me trying to figure out how how this works okay (laughs) um so this exhibition uh, is technically my second exhibition, and it's called "The Dancers of Ibiza." Okay. So because I spent so much time in the nightclubs, different clubs, different promoters, different costumes, you know, after like three months, you after three months of going to five to five or eight clubs a night, you know, you kind of start knowing people, and they start seeing your photos and like, ah, oh, I like your photos, and let's do something, and you start collaborating. And I remember meeting a dancer called Florencia so back then Florencia was I think she just started dancing for music on she's one of the, the big dancers
0: she's Argentinian yeah yeah I know her yeah she's
1: so I did a photo shoot of Florencia on Cecilinas um and it came out beautiful like she's a very uh, approachable woman very uh professional it's just lovely like Florencia was just so much fun to take photos of and when the photos came out it was so beautiful it was pretty pretty girl on a pretty beach and it's like the sun's almost setting and she's wearing these floral colors and I was like oh this is pretty and she shared it online and when I went to Privilege I think the next day all the girls that were dancing with Florencia kind of like came running to me like we love the photos can we (laughs) do photos for you like how does it work and I was like "Mm." (laughs) mmm Okay, yeah, I'd love to, like.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to create something here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's interesting because the the photography for women actually happened way before that. Even when I was in Cuisine Natal, I remember renting, like, equipment and booking models and just wanting to stay sharp, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm doing a very technical project. And I just was yearning for, like, like just to give you an idea the project for the government we were taking photos of electrical equipment so that means i was going through anything from 10 to 25,000 photos a week of streetlights on oh. poles and it's dirty and it's ugly and it's mechanical and it's rusted and there's snakes and it's you know it's yeah, <laughs> it's yeah and then by contrast you're in ibiza on a beautiful beach with a beautiful girl and there's so much energy and freedom and it's like oh yeah it's nice so it started off just uh as an opportunity for me to like suck the marrow out of life to be like oh yeah like I, i'd love to do this let's do it um so i did the second shoot i did the third shoot uh and the girl that was managing those those dances his name is Camilla or camilla so she's an amazing woman as well she's from brazil she was dancing in Ibiza for many years. She had a very serious car accident. She broke her back. Oh, wow. They had to, like, um, she came back eventually, but now, then she started managing the dances. But if you look uh, across the spine of her back, you still see the incisions, and she had oh, to wow. relearn everything. It was, But um, she started an agency called Princess Paradise Group, and she wanted me to be the official photographer for the girls. And eventually I did a photo shoot with Camilla as well, and she's, like, two or three months after our photo shoot, uh, she announced that she was expecting. <laughs> so now she's got a beautiful baby girl, Tanette, Um And it's not the first answer. Later on, I did photos uh, with Debbie, also from Argentina. And now she's got a little girl. Uh, some of the girls are, are married. You know, it's, it's just so interesting to see where people end up. It's, it's, it's beautiful.
0: So how does this come into your exhibition?
1: Okay. So around the fourth year i'd done maybe 10 or 12 photo shoots with the girls and it was really fun um but i was on model mayhem and i got an invitation uh for an online uh course by Krista miola who was or was probably still is the world's leading boudoir photographer um and for me having just finished my winter in germany where i was super focused on reading and consuming new materials it was just the excellent like the best opportunity to uh, use a technique known as modeling, and that's where you find somebody that's achieved, that you want to achieve, and you just completely dissect that person's life, you you know, you you see uh, if you can learn from their mistakes, you try to see if you can learn from their successes, because success leaves clues. Yeah. So I was working with Krista, who was based in New York while I was in Ibiza, Um, and she just gave me a beautiful, like, structure on how do you pack it? Uh, these kind of photo shoots because back then I wasn't exactly sure what it was I, I was like should these go to Playboy or you know should it go to a magazine or should I put it online you know like I, I didn't ever figure out yeah right on it. and, and it, it ties back to which is probably one of the most important assets a photographer can have and, and that's their integrity you know you're doing these photos with these girls and they kind of like trust you like I hope I don't see myself on a bus, you know, being the face of hemorrhoid cream somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, only recently have I figured out what I want to do with these photos, and, and that's do the exhibition uh, called The Dancers of Ibiza. But it, it's, it's also, it has to do with the, the dancers and the role that they played in my life. So, I mentioned earlier when I was in in Natal, I started doing yoga with the neighbor. But what I didn't mention is that Lorna, that's her name, was a professional dancer for 60, 70 years. Oh, wow. So, and in in yoga tradition, like the person that teaches you yoga is your guru and they kind of like stay with you your whole life. So it was just so, like in retrospect, it's so beautiful to see that energy, like the dancers energy has been with me even before I met the dancers. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just such a beautiful opportunity for me to practice with Lorna and get more of an Uh, a mature look on on life and relationships you know because when you're 20 30 you just want to get married and have a job and a fast car and you know these are not essentially things that one should want yeah you know know, instead you should want things that fulfill you and um gives meaning not not just to, to you but to to other people as well um so yeah, it's just been beautiful to have that energy in my life and I'm just trying to cultivate it. There's so much you can learn from, from these girls. Um, yeah. You know, and they're also just girls. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of stigma around, them. oh, they're so pretty or so bitchy. And that's not the case. You know, yeah. they're the normal people with the same problems as you and I. Yeah. I think some of them might have more problems than, <laughs> than others. Um, But it's all part of their journey. It's also their decision. Yeah. You, you know, you you hear about like, uh, one of the girls that I work with, Lucy, she's one of the dancers at La Troja. Um, how she started in Ibiza, you know, she she came here with a boyfriend and he was like almost ready to propose and that just scared the shit out of her. And she was like, I don't want to get married. And somehow she just started dancing, dancing and now she's been doing it. And she's also got an agency where she takes care of girls from Czech Republic in Ibiza and in the winter.
0: Amazing.
1: So, I mean, there's a lot of girl power, uh, and also the, the island's energy is feminine. I'm not sure how many people, if people actually know about this, but it's like <laughs> as soon as you, if you're a girl, and you get onto the, this island, like three or four days, like you're like an Amazonian. Yeah. You know, it's like,
0: oh. It's yeah. true, there's a lot of energy. Yeah, and yeah. That,
1: that's great. I mean, for me, I'm, I've also been thankful for the island's feminine energy, and it's helped me yeah. find a kind of balance as well, so...
0: I think what I've kind of got to um, realize in this conversation is that your job isn't just a job for you. Like it's such a huge, huge part of your life and mm-hmm. who you are. And it's not just like, yeah, I've got to go and do some photos and I'm gonna edit them and send them off. Like no. every part of everything you've learned on your journey since your beginnings up until where you are now every small part, every lesson that you've learned has all in some way is connected to what you do and what you show other people. And I think that's really beautiful because honestly, for me, like obviously I'm not a photographer and I've never taken photos before apart from on my iPhone. So I've never really had the chance to sit down and speak to someone like you, and kind of realize that it's so much more than just taking a, a couple of pictures, which I'm yeah. sure for some people it is, but it's really lovely um, knowing that just everything you do, every small thing you learn, everything you see, everyone you meet in some way just kind of evolves into one yeah. project. And I think that is beautiful. Thank you. Really. Am I right in what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um- Essentially, what you're talking about is a, a philosophy that I in, embraced a long time ago called lifestyle design. Mm-hmm. And that's instead of living the life that other people expect you to live, like live the life you want. Because you got to keep in mind, I did the, the World Cup, I did a big project for government. Just to give mm-hmm. you an idea of what that was, that was between six and 10,000 photos a day for. Let's say two and a half years. So Mm, if if you do the math, that's that's those to twenty five or thirty million photos uh, that I was responsible for. So I had to develop the software, I had to figure out the workflow, I had to employ, I had to train. Like this is my baby, um, and it worked. You know, I really loved that part of it, Uh, but also I was young. and a part of me got involved with the company because it was my dad's business, and he'd always had an aspiration that I would one day take over. But I was just not passionate enough, you know. Um, instead of following my dad's passion, I followed his example, and his example was follow your dream. You, you know, you it's, it's in you for a reason, and you know if if you, if you if you dig and you delve and you figure out what it is that that's where happiness kind of like comes from.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: Because when we started, when I started off, when I did this project, we had a lot of money and a lot of status, but me and my dad, we were constantly fighting. Eventually I had to distance myself uh, from the organ. It was just a messy time. Yeah. Um, And Ibiza, in the beginning, I mean, we have to realize that the overarching um, theme of Ibiza is escapism. People come to Ibiza because they want to escape, whether it's through music, through a yoga retreat, through drugs, whatever. This is the theme. Yeah. And that's mostly, well, in the beginning, that was a big part of why I came as well. I wanted to escape an unsuccessful relationship. I wanted to escape the pressures of working within a family. Um, and I also just wanted to be in a space where I can like, figure out what I want or yeah. for a change. And you did. I did, yeah, but I, I, I had to fight for it. Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah, of I had course. to have very uncomfortable conversations with a lot of important people and just explain to them, well, I'm not going to do that anymore, thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah, and just um, do what you want to do. Yeah,
1: so it's it's getting there. Good. Uh, the, the template that I've been working off is something called sun chasing, and that's summer all year long. And so far, it's been Cape Town to Ibiza and and back. But I'm hoping to... The best
0: way. (laughs) Yeah, I'm hoping to expand
1: it to at least four destinations a year. So it can be Ibiza, Cape Town, and then I'm looking at Brazil, maybe Argentina. Nice. Um, Like, we were definitely looking on how we can expand it. Now I've got a team. Guys, Mm -hmm. if you want to be a successful artist, please get a team.
0: This was actually going to be my next question. What advice would you give to people that um, have maybe just started out in photography or... Um, or want to take bigger steps.
1: For photographers that are serious about their photography, the most important thing I can tell them is to develop their style. Mm -hmm. And you can only do that by doing a fuckload of work. Yeah. You know, after doing 400 events and editing and looking at other photographers' work and seeing what the photographers that I'm working with are doing, you want to set yourself... Um, apart from the others and the only way you're going to do that is by developing a unique style and, and that's essentially why people book you it's the same reason people book black coffee or David Guetta because they have a specific style you know they attract these kind of people yeah so that's definitely one of the most important things you you, you want to focus on and then also like figure out why you're doing this yeah, You, you know, f- like I mentioned, the photography for me right now is just so compact and efficient. I'm in a stage in my life where I'm still young. I don't have any serious r- responsibilities. Yeah. And I'm cashing in on it. I'm, I'm taking a lot of risks, you, you know, um, because I can. But that not, that's not always going to be the case, yeah. you know. I definitely one day want to have a family of my own. Yeah. and You know, I, I love photography because there's no roof. You know, um, and what I mean by that is I'm doing photos now that are relevant to me in my life. And I can definitely see a scenario where 40 years from now, I'm chilling in the Sahara in Africa with a super zoom lens, uh, taking photos of like the lion's feeding gonna, yeah. and, and maybe having my my daughter or grandchild with me. Yeah, you know, yeah, taking yeah, photos. yeah. Like, I love that. Yeah. Uh, for me um, and my personality is just so important. Uh, to have that that freedom, yeah. Um, so yeah, that that's that's totally a thing, like something you should consider. Some more advice I would have uh, for photographers, especially if you are struggling right now, um, is to enjoy the process. You, you know, um, there was a beautiful expression that I uh, picked up at the Buddhist Retreat Center, which, which was that suffering builds character, and I mean throughout all the books and the podcasts and stuff that I've read is you realize that that's the the, the common theme uh, amongst all these people is they, they struggle. You know, they they suffer. They have to get through it. But it, that's where the good stuff happens. Yeah. You know, that that's where you can really identify the ingredients and the recipe. And once that's distilled, you can reshape it where you can put yourself in a niche. So as opposed to being in a market where you're competing, uh, on price
0: yeah i feel like that's just less like anything in life really though as well isn't it like the times when you're really down or things aren't really going your way you always learn some kind of lesson from them situations and then it Mm. kind of becomes part of of who you are you know
1: it's a really interesting process being alive <laughs> it
0: is very much <laughs> so know, it's also
1: I mean statistically it's not supposed to happen so not not supposed to happen but I mean for you to be alive what st- isn't
0: supposed to happen statistically
1: well the odds of you being alive is oh. something ridiculous like 470 billion to one so if you are here that means you're swimmers got there soon enough and somehow you are here. You could have, you might have well just ended up like being a plant or a chair <laughs> or a cricket or something. <gasps> um, I, I listen to a lot of Gary Vee and he goes on and on and on about it. He's great. It's just about cultivating gratitude. Yeah. You know, um, and that that's definitely that's been it. very important. One last thing that I want to remind <laughs> photographers, DJs, um, all kinds of artists right now is that the traditional broadcast structure is fading away you know in the past you had a broadcaster and they would broadcast to somebody that's receiving that you could not interact with you always had to live according to their schedule but now you've got the internet and with the internet you can watch what you want when you want where you want with who you want oh yes i mean it's such an amazing time to be alive so uh, just uh, i think this adds to the lot. Last bit of advice I'd like to give creatives, and there's a beautiful essay that Tim Ferriss talks about as well. It's called "The One Thousand Fans." I um, think it's called the One Thousand Fans Theory or something like that. And pretty much what it explains is, back in the day when we had television and broadcasters and newspapers, for you to get a record deal, you had to make something that was commercially viable, something that everybody would like to buy. But today, that's not the case.
0: Yeah.
1: If you want to make a living with your art, or performance whatever it is try to find a thousand hardcore fans that are all willing to give you a hundred dollars or euros a year and that's a hundred thousand euros a year and that's a living you know and, Very you, true. and you, you don't need the broadcasters for that anymore you can use Instagram you can use YouTube you can I mean, there's so many opportunities out there so figure it out like figure out your product recipe are you creating something and finding the client after or are you creating for an audience in mind um and just set yourself up for for that kind of success you know create an online store figure out how you can generate what is referred to as robotic income so robotic income is something that makes money for you while you sleep
0: This is what I want.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll definitely chat more about that after this and we can explore the strategies for you as well.
0: Listen, thank you so much.
1: You're very, very welcome.
0: I very, very much enjoyed that. I know I haven't really said much. I have to kind of just let you speak. Um, But very interesting. And I'm excited to Mm -hmm. carry on watching your your journey and see where you go.
1: Thank you. Um, Thank you for giving me this opportunity for enduring this uh, like this is my first interview and, you were great uh, <laughs> absolutely you.
0: fantastic so thank you so much you're
1: welcome uh for those that are interested they can see more at my website uh, julius.com it's j-u-l-i-u-s-j-o-o-s-t-e.com and then from there i mean you can get in touch with whatsapp or email you can check out all the instagram accounts that i've got or facebook um and also just pop in you know i love hearing from people and and I want to hear what people want and you know, just, just, just chat to me, please. You know, (laughs) I love sharing ideas.
0: (laughs) Amazing. I'll make sure I write all of that down, um, in the podcast description section as well. So you will have it there.
1: Thank you, Katie. Thank you. Th- again, for you uh, for creating this platform—not just for me, but for all the others. Oh, thank you! I, I commend you, and I thank you. <laughs> um, and it's all the best to you and your journey as well. I, I, I'll, I'll be keeping a, cl- a close eye, perhaps from a distance, but I'll still be a close thank eye you. On. It's been—it's
0: been, it's been a, a great journey so far. I'm excited. Thank you. Well, thank you.